Let me pray, and then we'll start into the message, and I'll try not to be as intense. I don't, can't promise that. Father, in Jesus' name, we come, and we say that you are worthy. Lord, our being here is not about what we get, but about who we give to. It's not about what we receive, but about how we share with others. And it is our declaration of your value in our lives and in this world that we come and we say, we will say, God, give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. We'll sing that with all the depth of meaning we have. Lord, we sing, take our lives and let them be consecrated, set apart only for you, God. We sing these songs and in this moment, God, we come and we open your word so that you might teach us how that would be. Not so that we could feel good that we heard it, but so that we can be prepared to do it. We pray all this in the name of our Jesus, to whom belong all glory, all honor, all power forever. Amen? All right. Hey, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and we are at a crazy part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a crazy part because what Jesus has been doing is he's been laying out a foundation of what his kingdom looks like. And so in the first several verses, all the way up to he says, blessed are you, and you know all those blessed, right? And, and you've been reading it, I hope, and continue to do that, even if you're a little bit bored. Uh, God's going to say something to you. I believe that. He's, he, I'm doing it. And he keeps speaking to me, going, I never saw that before, or wow, I haven't lived that yet. And so uh, as we're looking, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the, 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 those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed... He keeps saying this, right? He's saying this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what it looks like for the character of the kingdom, the people in the kingdom as we come before this amazing God, this amazing king who's speaking these words. And as he says these words, we say, wow, okay, God, I can see some adjustments to make. And then he gets this, 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 this crazy idea. He says, listen, you're the salt of the earth. From where Jesus was teaching this sermon, he could look out and he could see in, in, in the town of Magda the, 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 the place where they salted fish. It was a living illustration. He could literally see from where he was teaching what they were doing. He says, listen, as salt does what to those fish, preserves it, you are that in this world. He could look the other direction. He could see a, a, a city that was on a hill and the, the pagans built that city. The Gentiles built that city and what they would do is at night they would light it up so that all at night everyone in the whole region could see a lighted city. He says a city on a hill doesn't, isn't hidden so let your light shine. Do better than they do. do. Be that. Let it shine so that everyone can point to how great your father is. They can glorify him. They can say, God, you indeed are worthy. And then he goes on and he says this. Listen, when you do that, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get persecuted. It's going to be rough out there. I, I talk a lot about disciple making, right? You probably have heard me say that a time or 20. It's because I believe in it. I practice it. Every time I write something about it on my Facebook, you know what? I, you know who pushes back? It's Christians who want to have a cause that is different than Jesus. Yeah, but we've got to do, we've got to, we've got to. And I'm like, I know you folks. I know you people who are pushing back. You're not making disciples and you're willing to say, I will fight this battle, but not actually the one that Jesus 
set in front of us that defines his kingdom. And there's, here's one of the ways I know that we're moving that way. When the pressure comes, and it does. When persecution comes, and it will. None of us face persecution like I've seen around the world. None of us do. But it may come, and, and, and you know what? When it does, here's what we'll be. We'll be people who rejoice and say, ah, Jesus is so worth this pain. And we gladly, gladly bear in our body the marks of Jesus Christ himself. How great would that be? That's where we have to be. And can I tell you, most of us are not prepared to be that. And I'll tell you why I think that. Is because most of us, and I'm not speaking of you specifically. I'm thinking on a global, on, on, on American Christianity scale. Because we're still demanding our rights. We're still fighting battles that are not about the kingdom. We're still doing that. And we're fighting these battles but not making disciples who make disciples. That's that is where Jesus is taking us. And so we get now and, and then he says this. He says, listen, I want you to understand something else. That unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. You won't see heaven. It's just not going to be on your list. The opposite of heaven is what? Yeah. Yeah. And hell, hell's not a place that is, uh, um, it's a real place. And, and God made it for, for Satan and, and his followers. And he says, listen, I, I want to take you into a kingdom that leads you to eternity with me, not a place where you're separated from me forever called hell. And that's what he says, I want to do that. And he says, unless your righteousness goes way past the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, that word exceeds is not a word that means you beat them by an inch. Unless your righteousness goes way, way past their righteousness. And everybody in the audience that day is going, uh-oh, we're in trouble. That's a Scooby-Doo reference in case you missed it. We're in big trouble. Because those guys got it dialed. They, they do all the right things. They say all the right things. They know all the right verses. They live, they, they actually are the standard. Pharisees would say, we keep the law perfectly. How do I know that? Because that's what Paul said. Paul said, as to the law, I was blameless. These guys were rigid. You could not be a slug like me and be a Pharisee. I don't even drive to work the same way twice in a row. And these guys were so consistent. They had a righteousness that puts us all to shame, except Jesus begins to say, unless yours goes past theirs. And so now he takes us into this section, 21 to 48. And we're going to look at a couple pieces of this in my history of hearing this, in my study of this, we tend to parse out what he's saying. We tend to talk about anger and murder. We tend to talk about uh, lust and adultery. We tend to talk about uh, divorce and no divorce. We tend to talk about the, 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 the very things that... And I want to say that I think when we do that, we might get some great understanding of the Bible, but we miss what Jesus is saying. Because I don't think Jesus is sitting back going, now listen, here's six areas that unless you fix, you're in trouble. It's going to get hot for you at the end. That's not what he's saying. I think he's giving us a couple pictures here 
Because what he's talking about, he's, ta he's not talking about the ceremonial law. He's talking about the civil law, and he's talking about the moral law. The civilly and morally, see, the, the ceremonial law was given because they couldn't keep the other two. That's why they made sacrifices. And in just a, a, a couple of short years, Jesus is going to be hanging on a cross going, okay, I covered all of them, the civil, the moral, and the ceremonial. But here he's saying, listen, I need you to understand something. And so um, I'm going to read this. Uh, I'm going to read all three, uh, all, the whole section. It's going to be quite a few verses. So if you're going to take a nap, this would be your time. All right? Uh, or you can follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Jesus is talking. Remember, he's just said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. And so he says, you've heard it said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which means empty head, is answerable to the court. And, and I can even change that to idiot. I know none of you have ever used the word idiot, right? But he says anybody who says that is subject to court. And anyone who says you fool, man, they're in danger of hellfire. Whew. Jesus, what are you on? Then he goes on, he says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's talk, taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge will hand you over to the officer and you will be thrown into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. Whew. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I'm telling you that anyone who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. And I'm telling you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And again, you've heard it said by people long ago, don't break your oath, but fulfill the Lord your vows and you have made, and I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even add one hair, white or black, to your head. All you need to simply say is yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I'm telling you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, I'm pausing because I want you to soak this in. In the culture we live, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other as well. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt and hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said, love your enemy. 
love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm not making a political statement, but I want to tell you what, I had to practice that this week when new, when new restrictions or new changes came out because it felt like I had an enemy in front of me. And I had to pause and say, God, I'm going to love those decision makers. I'm not going to curse them. And it took me a while. It honestly took me a while. But I'm a better human being for it. I'm a better friend of Jesus for it. And I'm a better leader for it. Love your enemy, he says. Wow. Our problem is we just make enemies out of anybody who disagrees with us. They're not actually real enemies sometimes. So that, and here's what he says. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You realize that sin makes us an enemy of God, right? And if God responded to us like we respond to people we disagree with, we would all be spending eternity in hell, wouldn't we? Instead, our Father says, this is what my kids look like. They love their enemies and they pray for those who persecute or come against them. And he goes on and he says this, he, because the same God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and send rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. I have a very good friend who loves the rain and hates the sun. And I also have another very good friend who hates the rain and loves the sun. We need both. And here's what he's saying. There's an arbitrary nature to how we view things. And God sends the sun and the rain, not as curses, but as a part of life. It's part of life. So, and he does it for everybody. He's not discriminating, going, listen, there's some people out there I don't really like, so I'm just going to cook them. There's some people out there I don't really like, I'm going to flood them. One of my dear friends in Niger sent me a video, and it's him rowing a boat to the house that I stayed in. And the water's up to here. And he lost everything. His wife and his new baby, who's four months old, they all had to evacuate. And as he's rowing, I hear him saying, oh, look over here, and he's laughing. Because he recognizes that the same God sends sunshine and rain happens. Life goes on. It goes on and he says this. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Don't even tax collectors do that? And if you greet only the people, only your own people, who, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. When Jesus wraps this up, by the way, you can almost just stop now, huh? This is so rich and so deep. I'm a preacher, so I won't stop now. Um, as Jesus wraps this up, he says, listen, what sets you apart, what sets me apart, what sets us apart as a church is not how wise we sound, but how well we love. We have broken down wisdom to be something we say. Jesus said it is something you do. The 
righteousness or wisdom is proven right by our actions, Jesus said. So as we walk, walk through this, I'm just going to give you a couple thoughts to get to the core of what Jesus is saying. Remember who's listening. His disciples are listening. He's actually called them up, and he's called them close. Now, on this mountainside, there's groups of people. There's a lot of folks. There's Pharisees. There's Sadducees. There's religious elites. There are uh, just regular old Jewish folks. Uh, most of them are poor because most of the people in that time were poor. And they've come up, and Jesus sits down, and he looks at his friends. He says, come closer. His disciples are listening, and he's actually training them. This very spot that he spoke these words to them, uh, a lot of historians will say this is also the very same spot that he gave the Great Commission from. Because he looked at the disciples and he said, now I want you to go meet me on that mountain. And the mountain doesn't even have a name, but they knew. And they went to that mountain, and when he got to that mountain, he said, listen, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. And I want you to go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do what I've said, to do what I'm doing. And I'll be with you always. To the end. This very words here were probably spoken as a sandwich in the same place, this mountain. There's something powerful. He's looking at his friends. This is a special place for them. I want you to listen. And then he, remember that there's a crowd there. There's people there who have held Pharisees in high esteem and who've been longing for God to send a prophet who will lead them. They've held the religious elite. They've lived under their authority and the weight. The legalist, we would call them today. And they said, hey, listen. They're there and they're hearing this. And they're hearing things like, you've heard it said, but I say, well, holy smokes, Jesus. Are you telling us that you have more authority than Moses? Yes. Are you telling us that you can actually uh, interpret what God is saying better than these people who whose interpretation led them to 600 plus laws and volumes and volumes and volumes of books on how to keep them. I grew up in that world. I went to Christian schools and they made me cut my hair short because they didn't want me to look like a woman. And I'm looking and going, have I ever? Well, you can't listen to that music because it has a 4-4 four, four beat instead of a 3-4 beat. And that will throw off the rhythm of your heart and it will make you susceptible to the demons. That's what we were told. And we're going to send you to basic youth conflicts where Bill Gothard's going to tell you everything about how to... Be, and we were like... I went in the first time and I went, what's he talking about? That's not in the Bible. I grew up in that world and this crowd's hearing this. Going, Jesus, you don't have any idea the hornet's net you're swatting. You're stirring things up. Jesus, are you sure you want to say that? Unless your righteousness goes past the scribes and Pharisees, that means their righteousness isn't going to get them where they think it's going to get them. Jesus, what's going on? That crowd's listening. And then the Pharisees and the religious leaders are listening. Boy, they're taking notes because they kept sending spies after Jesus and they kept sending people going, hey, Jesus, uh, wait a minute. Where do you get this authority? Uh, Jesus, where? Because, you know, here's the thing. In that culture, a rabbi got his authority from his master. And Jesus, Jesus, who's your master? Oh, my Father in heaven is my master. I got my authority from the Father. That's, wow, there's something big here. They're listening. I want you to remember when this was spoken. This was spoken at a time in the history of the world where there was a people of God called the Jewish people. 400 years of silence. No prophets in Israel had come. And now all of a sudden, 
Jesus shows up and everybody's going, this could be the one. He looks like the one. He sounds like the one. He does things that the one's going to do. Everything's pointing to him. And he's not saying no. He's not saying I'm not the guy. John the Baptist said I'm not the guy, right? But he's, he's not saying that. And at a time when hope was gone, hope arrived in sandals that looked like Jesus. And these people are hearing this and the time he was speaking, that was the, the culture. Can I ask you a question? Do you think people in our world today need hope? I mean, is that, is that kind of a deficiency in our culture? And Jesus says, I got an idea. Why don't you guys be my hope for the world? Why don't you point them to me? Because I got real hope. I got, I got the real authentic hope. And, the, and I want you to remember what he's already said. He's already said this is the kingdom. This is what it looks like. This is how we measure righteousness in the kingdom. And so I want us to kind of have that thought. There's two thoughts that I want to give you, and I'm going to wrap up with these. So you only got about an hour left. One of the things that Jesus is talking about is the heart. Now, I can, I can parse out and give you all the words and all the meanings and say, well, here the word for anger is this, and here's what this sexual immorality is, and this is where we get this, and we can rail against our culture. That's not what Jesus was doing. That's what we do to teach this text, and I think we miss something when we do. Here's what Jesus was doing. He was saying, listen, there's a heart issue in the way righteousness is done because here's what the Bible says about the heart. We believe and we trust God from the heart, don't we? We obey God from the heart. Our, the Bible says, guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Another translation says it, that it sets the boundaries. Out of the heart are rivers of life. And rivers in that day were markers of boundaries and territories. And here's what he's saying. As your, your heart sets the boundaries and the limitations of your friendship with God. And that's what had happened here. These folks had set the boundaries and the limitations of their friendship with God by their external righteousness, by their ability to enforce and keep rules. That's really not a very good way to measure it, is it? And yet, we measure it that way, continually, continually. I have a, uh, I have a dad, uh, he, well, he passed a few years back. He was my stepfather. And, and I got to tell you what. If you think you've heard somebody cuss, you've never heard anybody cuss until you heard him. And if you think that you heard somebody gripe, you never heard anybody gripe until you met him. And if you think you've seen somebody love, you've never seen anybody love until you met him. Because he came into our family and he raised three kids as his own. And he taught us how to work. And he loved my mother incredibly so that God healed her life from the brokenness that she had experienced. And he didn't look like the Pharisees at all. He met Christ when he was 70 years old. Oh, isn't that great? And I watched him change. Watched him transform. We said the same prayer every day for our meals. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings. We ask that you bless this food to the nourishing strength of our bodies and our bodies to your service. Amen. That was the prayer that my dad gave for every meal and he didn't even know who he was talking to. He knew about the one, but he didn't know. 
He'd go to church once a month to keep my mom from being mad at him. Because he, he believed that church was for men or for women and children and men with nothing better to do. And a lot of men think that way today, right? And all of a sudden, he, he truly met Christ. And it was Thanksgiving. And we're sitting there, and he gives the prayer. And now, as kids, and I know you find this hard to believe it about me, that I would actually mouth the prayer, you know. And, and my sister would look at me like, give me the, because she's the better person in our family, and she'd look at me like, stop it. And my brother would go and do it with me, okay? So that's what's going on in my family. And now it's Thanksgiving, and he's met Christ. And he starts praying. And I look up at my sister, and I've got tears running down my face. And he's got tears, she's got tears running down her face. And we went, he's actually talking to God. He's, he, wow, something's changed. God changed his life completely. But you know what he never changed? My dad's bowling words. He still said them. Now I know some of you go, wait a minute. Well, his righteousness was not on the outside, it was on the inside. And he became a friend and follower of Jesus. And he became more generous than I've ever seen him be. And he began to read his Bible every day. And he began to pray every day. And he'd walk up to me. And every Sunday after church, he'd put his hand on the back of my head and he'd say, son, you preach the ever-living bleep out of the scriptures today. And I'd say, Dad, thank you. And I'd give him a big hug. Now, none of you have to do that to me today, okay? Because God changed his heart and the boundaries of his life changed. We love, we believe, we trust, and we obey from our hearts. And so Jesus begins to teach. And here's what he says. Here's what he says. These people have forgotten their hearts. That's why they can be angry and not consider it bad. That's why they can lie to each other and, and break their families up and not consider it bad. That's why they can swear oaths as a means of business and getting ahead and not consider it bad. That's why they can, they can say, ah, oh, we love all the people who are like us and hate enemies and not, in fact, they considered it noble to hate their enemies. And Jesus says, no, your heart matters. John the Apostle heard these words. And you know what his takeaway on this was? You can read it in 1 John. How can you say you love God and don't love others? If you say that, you are a, do you know what that word is? Liar. That's pretty stiff, isn't it? Can you love, can you not love people and love God? The answer is no. According to Jesus, according to what John understood, they'll know you're Christians by the way you keep the law, mm -mm. by the new law. Love one another. Jesus in Matthew 15 said, there's a group of people whose lips are for me, but their hearts are far from me. He was quoting Isaiah when he said that. Here's the issue. When you read through this text, and if you get bogged down in the mire of, of teachings on divorce, on teachings of oaths, on teachings of, of, of anger and, and murder and going to the law and all that other stuff, here's what Jesus is saying. Don't get stuck in that mud because it is about 
your heart. It is about your heart. That's the righteousness that has to exceed the scribes and Pharisees. There's one more thought here. This one will take two hours. In this text, God reveals the value he places on relationships. Our relationships matter. Who, how we love each other, how we treat each other, how we treat other people matters. So in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth? We know this. We know the poem of that first chapter of, of Genesis. In the evening and the morning were the first day. God said it was good. It's beautiful. And then you get into Genesis 2, and God says, let us make man in our image. God's first idea for people was what? To give him his image. Shouldn't we treat people as though that was God's first idea? Shouldn't we stop and go, wait a minute. God's first idea for... Our president, for those who run against our president, for our governor, for those who sit under that, for the politicians, for the Antifa, for the rioter, for the protester. Shouldn't our first thought be God gave him his image? If we're going to follow the teachings of Jesus, the answer to that is yes. Because Jesus is sitting here going, listen, when you, when you get the righteousness, the righteousness the Pharisees had thought nothing of putting you down, thought nothing of saying you're of no value, thought nothing. They would stand up and say prayers like this, God, I'm so glad that I'm not a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. That's how they would lead out in their prayers. And you have the image of God. Notice what was last. That's how they prayed. And Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to understand that men and women have the image of God. And that's why I want you, when you come together, don't hate other people. Don't hate. Hate is about indifference. Hate is about how we ignore people. We communicate hate, not by our hateful words only, but by how we ignore the plight and the needs of others. And here's Jesus saying, listen, I need you not to hate each other. He's not saying hate and murder are the same thing. We, we kind of think that, but we actually know it's not. See, I can hate you secretly and never go to jail. But if I murder you, that's bad. What he's saying is that they're both wrong. Hate and murder come from the same source, the enemy, Satan. And what I want you to know, Jesus says, is listen, I value relationships so much that if you have an issue with somebody... Get out of church and go. Leave. And go make it right. Paul writes in this incredible chapter, Romans 12, do your best to live at peace with all people. Make things right with people. That's not what we do. You know what we do? We gather consensus. I don't really like that person. I don't know. What do you think? And then, and here's what we do. We listen to it. And when we listen to it, we give we give almost affirmation that they're right, even if we don't agree, we can't, because oh, we're caring, we're can't, oh, no, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, listen, I want you to get up and leave church, if, leave your gift at the altar, leave where your, your beautiful practice of being spiritual, and go make your relationships right with people. 
So don't hate others because they bear the image of God. Don't, don't demean the opposite sex by treating them as objects. In that culture, lust was a one-way street, not because it didn't happen, but because culturally that's what it took place. In our culture, it's a two-way street. And here's what he says. Don't demean the opposite sex by treating them as an object, not as an image bearer of God. That's something to think about. Because you're made in the image of God, he says, don't, don't divorce without cause. Don't divorce without cause. He actually gives you a cause. He says spiritual, spiritual or, or, or adultery. Paul even adds to that something that didn't, that didn't even apply when Jesus was on the earth. Because when Jesus was on the earth, there were no Christian faith. And so when Paul says, listen, it's also over spiritual abandonment or abandonment of the family. And he goes on and he says, listen, there's a, there's, a, there's a culture here. So let's don't hate each other and hate marriage. and what it, Let's don't do that by building divorce for any cause. Because that's what they did. It wasn't about them going, well, you know, we've waited out. We've went to, they were like, hey, you're out. And women couldn't write certificates of divorce. So he's speaking to the men. Don't manipulate people with your words and oaths. I promise, I swear to you. I swear in my mother's grave. I swear in my children's eyes. I swear, I promise. He says, don't do that. Don't manipulate for your advantage because people bear the image of God. And don't make it about yourself. Don't make it about yourself, but about the kingdom of God. Let's do that. And finally, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go love your enemies. I want you to go love your enemies. Do you know who your enemies are? Some of us live in such a bubble that we actually don't know who our enemies are. And so we make our enemies. The nasty old government's our enemy. Probably not. Those, 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 those people of different ethnicities are our enemies. No. Those people who, who uh, we, you, we're living in a culture that's creating enemies, aren't, don't we? And that actually began in the church. Not in the first century, but as time went on, we made enemies. And here's what Jesus is saying. Listen, if you're going to be in my kingdom, you've got to love your enemies. Because it's of no credit if you only love your friends. Anyone can do that. We've titled this series Uncommon because this is an uncommon thing. Finally, he says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Our maturity is measured by how we live in relationship with others, not our knowledge. In the Christian faith across the world, we measure maturity by how many sentences from this book we know. How much theology we know. Some of the worst things that have been done in history have been done with people who have better knowledge and better understanding of this than me. Jesus says, listen, the Father measures it through how we treat each other. By this, all men will know you really are my disciples if you love one another. He goes on, 
The word uh, be perfect is a word that means complete. It's not a word that means uh, without error. It's a word that means be complete in the way that your Father in heaven is complete. So let's stop with this thought. How complete is the love God has for you? On a scale of 1 to 10, what would would you give it? A 5, a 6, or maybe a 12? How does the Father love you who who is not his buddy, not his cute fuzzy friend, but the Bible says we were at war with God? How does he love you? Now go do that. Go do that. When we begin to pray that way, we begin to see people differently. And I can, I can tell you this with all sincerity. I need to see people differently. That's what I'm asking God to help me do. Help me see people like you see them. I mean, give me your eyes, God. Not give me clean hands and pure hearts. That's in the Bible. We should pray that. But God, just give me your eyes so that I can see what you see in people around me so I can love the way you love, so I can share the way you share. That's where we want to go. That's the kind of people that set the world on fire 2,000 years ago. Can it happen again? (laughs) You bet, because God builds his church, amen? With that, I'm done. Uh, Let's sing a song and uh, we'll be done.